What happens when two parent coaches, one a Christian and the other an agnostic Jew, sit down to talk about parenting? I'm Dina Thayer. And I'm Kira Dorian. Welcome to Raising Adults, a podcast about future-focused parenting. This episode of Raising Adults is brought to you by Sleep Phones. Let me tell you about Sleep Phones. I am in love with this product. So I have a very small head and very small ears, and earbuds are always popping out of my ears. And it drives me crazy, especially if I'm going for a jog. Well, right around the time I started jogging again, I tried sleep phones and they are amazing. So it's a headband, kind of like what you would wear if you were going to exercise or maybe wash your face and it pulls your hair back, but it has the headphones built in, but you can't even feel them. It's just like wearing a soft headband that's playing music into your ears. It works off of Bluetooth. They're super easy to use and I absolutely love them. And sleep phones are giving our listeners a 10% off coupon, which is amazing. So if you go to sleep phones, that is S-L-E-E-P-P-H-O-N-E-S.com. So there's two P's, sleepphones.com. And type in the coupon code RAISINGADULTS10, all in caps. They will give you 10% off your order. Seriously, guys, I cannot recommend them enough. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to Raising Adults. We have a very exciting episode today. I am super stoked because we are interviewing our first guests. I feel like this is a rite of passage for podcast hosts, right? For sure. It's a milestone, right? (laughs) Absolutely. So today on the show, we have Brad and Drew Formsma. They are, they're so cool. They're a father and son author team, right? From I Like Giving. They've written two books and they're going to tell us all about it today. So we are super excited to just talk with them about generosity, which is our attribute of the month. So that timed out perfectly. It really did. And what's so neat is there's a parenting element here without even trying because this is a father-son team who are authors and motivational speakers. And we're excited to learn from them today. Yeah. And how awesome that the so the, their father's son, the son is a teenager and he's involved in this just massive mission to bring generosity to the world. And they're going to tell us how generosity changes you as a family and as a person. And I'm just personally really excited. Um, we've, we got a sneak peek at the book. It's it's very cool. There's some cool stuff in there. Yeah. So and this is what's so great is, like you said, it matches with our attribute of the month. So I want to just hit that for a second, too. If you haven't already registered for that, it's super easy to do. Go to our website, futurefocusedparenting.com. Whack shop. If you're not on the bus yet, that's the other word for slash now. And you can find it right there. It's totally free. You just enter. And this attribute of the month will come right to your inbox with all kinds of great tips and tools for helping instill generosity in your kids. Yes. And what I love about the attribute of the month, I was just talking with somebody about it today, is you know the idea that you can just almost relax into one thing that you're working on a month. Like just this month, my family is going to be focused on generosity. What does that look like? What changes then at the end of the month have you just instilled without even making an enormous effort because you're not trying to do everything at once. You're just honing in on this one attribute. I agree. And for someone who I will raise my hand and admit I'm prone to being easily overwhelmed, I love the idea of just tackling one thing at a time or maybe giving it at least extra focus, just one thing at a time for a whole month rather than getting something new every other day or even once a week. Sometimes that can be a lot. So this gives you time to really focus on something spend some time with it and get it down before the next one is coming your way. Yep. So futurefocusedparenting.com, whack shop. It's also going to be in like the show notes on the episode guide. So you can just click through to that. Uh, Brad and Drew are from I Like Giving. um, And so you can find them by Googling I Like Giving or going to ilikegiving.com. And they're going to give us all their handles and stuff too uh, in the interview. So here we go. Perfect. 
Great. Well, as we said, we've got Brad and Drew Formsma with us today from I Like Giving. Super fun because this is a father-son duo. And we just want to welcome you. They're joining us from California, even though we're all the way up in the Pacific Northwest. So this is going to be a lot of fun today. And Brad and Drew, if you could just start by introducing yourselves, tell us a little bit about I Like Giving and your mission and how you even ended up working together as father and son. Oh, of course. Well, it's an honor to be here today. Um, I Like Giving started in uh, 2011, and it's an organization that's set up to inspire people to live generously. We often talk about seven ways to the generous life, and I'm sure we'll get into more of that in a few moments. But uh, it really, uh, I think it's best to hear Drew share with you how he ended up kind of becoming uh, the speaker and the communicator on generosity that he is today. It's a, it's a neat story. Yeah. So I like giving, uh, there ended up being a book out of it written by my dad and we started to get a lot of different speaking engagements, different churches, conferences, events would have us in just to talk about, uh, what generosity it is, what generosity is and how it can motivate people to make the world a better place. And so, I started to tag along with my dad, and we started to um, speak around the country together. And I was able to – I started with about one minute on stage telling a giving story, and now I'm all the way up to like five or six minutes. (laughs) So I've stolen a little (laughs) – it's been really – that's really what – I like giving is we inspire people to live generously. This is through stories. This is through video and through um, us speaking just to inspire the world to look outside themselves and look for opportunities around them because we all have everyday opportunities to step into. So, Drew, can you just tell our listeners how old you are, please? Yeah, (laughs) I check my driver's license. I am. I just turned 17 and uh, I go to high school. I go to high school like everybody else. Uh, I get my homework done, but I I also knew that from an early age, I wanted to help uh, change the world. And this is how I believe I can do it. That is so fantastic. I'm quick to say 17 going on 27. So it makes for an interesting <laughs> parenting challenge, but we're getting through it. <laughs> I bet. That's amazing. I'm sure. Now, we want to give you a chance, too, to tell us a little bit about the book you've recently released, Everyday Generosity is what it's called. And we would love to hear what motivated you to write the book, kind of some of your goals, what you're hoping to achieve with that book. We were blessed to have a little sneak peek at it ourselves. So tell us about the book. Yes. Yeah, so Everyday Generosity, Becoming a Generous Family in a Selfie World really started uh, by a dream I had one night. And then uh, the next week, I ended up getting in an Uber car and I was headed to school one day And traffic in California is just horrible, so you have to take the Uber. And so I got in the car, and this lady said to me, hey, is your dad Brad Formsma? And I I was like, I hope so. And then she said, oh, no, 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 it's, no, he did. I listened to him at at a conference I was recently at, and he's totally changed my perspective on giving, and he's really helped me understand that this is something that I'm able to step into my lifestyle and make a difference. And so she started telling giving stories. She asked me to tell some. So we were kind of going back and forth. And as I got out of the car that day, she said, hey, I felt like I'm supposed to tell you this. You're supposed to write a book. I can't get, <laughs> I can't get my kids to give. And that, 
this totally shocked me. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just got a huge sign. And I uh, got out of that car and the next week, a different Uber driver said the same thing. He's like, hey, dude, you need to write a book. Your stories are so inspiring and people need to understand what generosity is and how we all can play. So that's how it really got started. And so about a nine, nine to 10 months, we wrote this book together. And the whole idea was it's all going to be written through my words. And my dad's insights would be um, kind of written throughout my words. And it kind of is a cool perspective that a 16-year-old can write a book and how a 16, at 16, he can inspire so many people. And that's the whole idea behind the book. And it's it's not directed at teens. It's directed for families to bring into their family and share their stories and talk about generosity because we know it's not talked about. That's really how it all got started. That's fantastic. I, I love that. And especially, I think, for teenagers, because we tend to think of teenagers as maybe not the most generous, you know, self-reflective stage of life, right? They, and so to to just be inspiring as a teen yourself, to be looking outward and being generous, I just think that's amazing. So in the book, you talk about the seven types of generosity, which I just loved because so we do this thing on the podcast called the attribute of the month where we take a deep dive into a different character trait every month. And this month's uh, attribute is generosity. And it's one of the things we've already been talking about, that generosity is not just about financial giving. There's so many different ways that we can show generosity. So can you break down those seven different types of generosity for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. I'll jump in on this and then flip it back to Drew. You see, it started with my grandpa modeling what we call the generous life to me when I was 11 years old. And he owned a big commercial baking company, but next to his office was a test kitchen. And so what happened was he would make 16 loaves of bread every Saturday. And one one Saturday, he said, Bradley, come with me. And I thought it was going to be about bread and fresh bread and jam. And uh, yeah, when those 16 loaves came out and they cooled down, we put them in the trunk of his car and away we went. And our first stop was to meet with a widow that he had met along the way and he gave her a few loaves of bread and he was very generous with his words. And this, the second stop was uh, a check white envelope and a few loaves of bread. And he explained to me that that person had a financial need. And so he was generous with his money. And as the morning went on, I realized this isn't about bread, bread and jam. This is about grandpa beginning to model even more of the generous life. And so the seven ways are, generous with our words, generous with our thoughts, generous with our money, generous with our time, and being generous with our attention and our influence and the stuff that we share. <clears throat> and we, you know, we looked at that and we said, you can live a life that way. And daily, weekly, monthly, one of those or more is going to come into your world where it's going to let you do something for somebody else without expecting anything in return. And so grandpa's modeling to me and my mom, and then now our modeling over to our kids, it's infected Drew. And of course, he's passing it into and onto his generation and those around him. That's so wonderful. Well, and I really like it because I think we might easily think about things like being generous with our resources or our time, but to think about those more intangible 
ways that we can be generous, like with our attention or our influence, I think is pretty game changing. So I really enjoyed reading about these different ways we can do it and how you can really infiltrate them throughout your whole life. And it's not just about money or time, which I think can be kind of top of mind. But to get a little deeper into this was really interesting to both of us as we were reading for sure. And I'm, I'm guessing our listeners will feel the same way. There are just so many facets to this. And what's neat is, as we mentioned, since you're a father and son, there's already kind of this parenting element here, and we're a parenting podcast. So I'm curious, you mentioned modeling, and we talk a ton about that on the podcast, just how important it is for children as they grow to be seeing their parents and other adults in their lives modeling the types of character traits we're trying to instill as we go about raising adults. But what other ways might you encourage parents to have an impact on their children in the area of generosity? Well, I would just tell you that this whole idea that generosity equals money it's sadly true. You ask people when you hear generosity, they just move right to, I'm, I, this is going to cost me something. And when we bring people that fresh perspective that we get to be generous in these other ways, we all can play. This is not for just a, a wealthy person. I think asking Drew or having Drew share a few thoughts on ways parents can engage with this in a way that it actually works would be super helpful for your listeners. So, Drew, punch that out. Tell us, tell us more about how you have um, learned generosity in a way that you actually wanted to play. Yes. Yeah, so I started with looking at what my parents did for uh, me and my siblings, and I started to see what what did they do that really shaped my perspective on giving today. And I came up with an acronym. I, I mean, I like things that are catchy, so I came up with something. So it's me, M-E-E, model, then encourage, lastly, engage. Let's take it back. Model. I believe that when parents model the generous life to their kids in these seven ways, they'll start to see it and do it themselves. Oftentimes, kids have a perspective their parents have. And even if you might not see an immediate change when you're doing it, I believe those seeds are planted forever. My dad always tells me his grandpa planted those seeds and there were some rough patches in his life. But even today, those seeds were planted and had such a huge impact on his life. Then encourage, encourage your kids to give show. I, I think there's two ways to do it. Show them opportunities, set something up to show them, Hey, that might've been an opportunity that you could step into without forcing it. Cause that gets really gross. And then the second would just the second would be just encourage them with what's going on. If a, if a situation gets messy or if a time that giving goes wrong, just encourage them on their journey and tell them it's it's all right. It's not a performance thing. It's something that we get to do, um, and we get to step into other people's needs. And then it's engage. I this is a huge one for me because I'm starting to realize speaking around the whole country, re realizing that. People just don't talk about generosity and society makes it a lot, just a lot about money. And it's so much more than that. And I had a kid come up to me at school and he's like, Drew, I don't even know what generosity means. Hmm. And it really put my perspective back because I've grown up in a culture that uh, I've grown up in a family that really uh, breathes generosity and we, we bring it into our legacy. But a lot of my friends didn't even know what it meant. 
So I just challenge the parents listening today, share your stories around the dinner table because that's what's truly going to move your kids into action because we need to start talking about this more and more. And that's what I talk about in everyday generosity is that something that we need to engage in, uh, like my dad said, daily, weekly, monthly. Absolutely. And it's so neat and encouraging for us to hear a young person saying these things because it's, I think you can expect maybe to hear some of this stuff from adults. So what's really, I think, unique and inspirational to our listeners is, listen, this can start when you're young. And when you parent toward this, these are the kind of young adults you can end up with. I was just going to say, look, fantastic. look at Brad. He raised an adult. Look, like. future-focused <laughs> parenting right there. So that's really great. Now, I know that, and you all have been really fantastic and sensitive about this, and these principles are really universally applicable. But I would love to hear, how have your beliefs played into the priority you place on generosity? Well, I first think it's so important to say we are so far from perfect. We miss all the time, but we definitely feel like we discovered something here that makes your life better, your family's better, and the world around you better. So just wouldn't want anybody to think, well, they got it all figured out. I don't think you ever arrive on this. Uh, we always say, just get your antenna working and you'll be amazed what comes your way. From a from our faith perspective, I mean, we read about this idea that it's more blessed to give than receive. And we just found that to be true. And so it's moved into other areas of our faith of learning, you know, what other truths come from that source. And so we think we're made uh to be generous. We just think that there's uh, distractions and we call them the four letter words of busy and debt and fear and duty that all kind of compete with the generous life. And so I would say our, our faith is one of saying uh, we believe there's a God who gave us life and wired us this way. And yet we like to communicate it in a way that makes people realize that, um, hey, there's a God that loves you and he lives this way. And, you know, when we live this way, people are like, why did you do that for somebody else? And it, it does give us a chance to um, be a light in the world. I love that. And I think it's true that, you know, whether you have that faith-based perspective or not, the concept is so universal in terms of raising good kids into good adults who are going to contribute to the world. I have a question. I'm curious so you mentioned, you said this briefly, when, when generosity backfires. And I actually think that's a big thing that plays on people's minds when they're considering being generous. So, for example, if I invite someone into my home to help them out, and are they going to take advantage of me? Or is my donation not going to go to the right place? There's, there can be a lot of fear around it in, in that we sort of make ourselves vulnerable when we give. So I'm curious your thoughts on that. Well, Yeah. So in my, I think uh, about the middle of my book, I start to talk about a few things. The first would be a lot of people have either a misconception about what giving is, and that could have been from what their parents taught them. Oh, it's just about money or it's just about giving to the church or just about nonprofits, or they've had an experience that has gone wrong or gone away that they didn't like. And so that's such an important thing when you look at when you're giving, uh, are you giving and expecting a certain response from someone? 
Because I found myself, whenever I, I start to go, oh, this person should react in a way that uh, I want. But really, we're giving, and that's our part. It doesn't really matter the outcome. I believe as long as we are moving towards something, uh, it do- really doesn't matter how they react to it. And the other thing about the misconceptions is a lot of people, like even at my age, go, oh, I'm not old enough, or I don't have enough money, or it's not the right time, or uh, I'm having bad things going on in my life. No, I think we all can give in the highs and lows in life, and we all can step into this no matter our past experiences. I actually have um, something in my book that I talk about called the four R's. So this would be for someone who either has had a bad experience in the past or something that's gone wrong or they they gave money and that nonprofit or church didn't use the money in a way that they thought was right. So they stopped giving. So uh, the first would be reset. When we reset our attitude, uh, giving opportunities seem to come a lot more often when we start to go, man, giving is about the other person. It's not about me. So we do get in, we do get a, uh, huge, uh, help. We also get huge benefit when we get, we're healthier, we live longer. Uh, a lot of benefits come along. Then it's rethink. When we start to rethink and understand, um, yeah, giving is not about me. It's about the other person. And then it's remove all the excuses mm-hmm. and the people, all the reasons why not to give. I'm not old enough. All these reasons. And then remember that this is something that is not performance, but it's something we get to step into and live this way every day. Yeah. The four hours. Yeah. The four hours. I like that. We like, we also enjoy mnemonic devices around here. Yep. So that's great. We're all for the acronyms and all of that stuff. But what's also great there is then we can set aside. I, I've got another one there when you, when you talked about removing, you know, removing some of those bad experiences, but also the expectations, because we can sometimes go into a giving scenario with an expectation that it's going to turn out a certain way or that we're going to receive a particular response. And if we can get outside of those expectations, I think some different opportunities present themselves not only for our own growth, but also for how we perceive the whole giving opportunity. So that is fantastic. And I have an important question because You shared some good stories right in the opening of the book. And we're wondering if, as we close, maybe each of you could share one of your favorite generosity stories with us. Well, I I would I just tell you that the book that I first wrote, I Like Giving, we went through and discussed a lot of our kind of in how would you say it? You know, it's like. I have an expectation about how someone's going to respond to my generosity and how that's an instant setup for dashed expectations. I gave a gift. I didn't get a thank you note. I did this. They didn't do that. And so when we go in truly expecting to not receive anything, but we gave out of our heart, we felt the nudge to do that. And then it just kind of creates a better environment for our response. And I had it one time where a guy was working on my car and he was talking about the golf course that I was wearing on the shirt. And I had been to that golf course like two weeks later and I was in a different state. And he had said, oh, I'd love to golf there someday. So I buy him a hat, right? I'm all excited. I send this to the service writer in this other state who had been working on a car and I never got a response. 
And I'm like, how many times has that guy gotten a really nice golf hat in the mail from one of his customers? Like never. And it was interesting. I'm like, I'm supposed to be the giving guy. And here I am, you know, taking some of my own medicine. Why did I expect that he would do anything? And yet when I bumped into him later, he was fine. And, you know, part of me kept thinking, did, did he get the gift? Do I ask him if he got the gift or, you know, whatever. And so when we go into it, really looking at what are we expecting from this? Uh, it, I think it helps us set and manage those expectations. But as far as fun giving stories, Drew, I think you should tell them the Bed Bath & Beyond story. And then I'll... Yay, I'll my I'll, favorite we one. were hoping. Oh, hooray. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we, my dad and I, we were... Uh, our whole family goes up to Upper Michigan. And we were at our grandparents' house. And uh, they, they didn't have the best pillows. So we were thinking about uh, we weren't having a great night's sleep. And we, we needed to get some new pillows. And so we headed to Bed Bath and & Beyond, and we walk in, and this really nice lady uh, showed us to the pillow section, told us all about this one pillow that she's going to get when she gets her paycheck because she's had some problems with her neck. And so my, my dad, we, we walk up, we start walking up with two pillows. And then my dad, of course, whispers, and he says, hey, go grab an extra one. So we ended up bringing three up to the front counter, and she starts checking us out. So the first one, clink, goes across. The second one, clink. And she's like, I thought you only needed two pillows. And in that moment, we were able to tell her, hey, put that in a separate bag. That one's for you. And hmm. right there in that moment, you, the whole mood just changed. The whole culture, everyone around us felt that um, impact when we give. It's that it's that hug drug. When you, when you hug someone, you kind of feel that emotion and everybody around it. And this, but one of the ladies on another aisle was like, wow, you must've done a good job or something. And, um, what, what's even crazier about that? My dad will tell you, we were speaking at a church and I share that story on stage and something crazy happens. So Drew comes up, this is his first time ever speaking publicly. I, on the way there to this church, I said, you know, would do you ever have a thought? Or would you be willing to share? Oh, yeah, I've been waiting for you to ask me. So uh, he comes up. He shares the story that you all just heard. And then from the back row, this guy goes, hey, I'm the manager of that store. I was there. That completely shifted the culture in our work. We've had this backbiting and people just kind of snipping at each other. And just culturally, we were a mess. And... This lady says, I haven't had anybody do anything like that for me in over 30 years. And it led to this great conversation on their team of why would somebody do that for someone else? And it just showed us, again, the power of one decision, the power of buying a pillow. But it started with making a decision, want to live generously, and it started with making a decision that I'm going to move from just becoming aware into action. And that's where people sometimes get stuck. Oh, what if it doesn't go right? Well, we know this. Everything that you aim at, if you don't have a spot to aim at, you're not going to hit. So you have to start to start and you get to start to start. And I believe your life will be far better for it. Yeah. And what a great example of a, the ripple effect of giving one pillow yeah. and look what it did end up changing the whole culture of a workplace. That's really fabulous. And now we get to share all of you guys. Yes, yes, exactly. 
So I have I have one question uh, off the back of that story. So I, I know we've been talking through the entire interview about the fact that, you know, generosity doesn't just mean money. And I love that. But the Bed Bath & Beyond example happens to be a monetary one. And it, it kind of raised a question for me because it was a spontaneous monetary form of generosity. I'm curious if you have a budget in your family for situations like that, where you're in a position to spontaneously give. Uh, how do you how do you work that? I know that a lot of uh, faith based families have like a tithing budget already, but for families like mine that maybe don't have that set aside, how do you work the difference between what you're maybe giving regularly and what you want to be able to give in those spontaneous moments that present themselves? Of course. Well, remember, it's always back to the seven ways to the generous life. So one of those is money. Sometimes that affirming word and being generous with our words is worth far more. But that pillow costs $24.99. And so it's not always about the pillow and it's not always about the cost. It's more about are you willing to make the decision to want to live a generous life? And are you willing then to look for opportunities that come your way? For our family, we we like to regularly give to the church we go to. And we have other nonprofits that we really have a heart for, okay? But we also have made some spending decisions that set us up for some, what we call our generosity giving emergency fund. And so we just set aside a small amount of uh, money each month and our kids know about it. And what we've said to our kids is we can't come close to scratching all the needs in the world. But what we can do is move that conversation and process together what we're hearing in our different worlds. And so that's worked for us. Don't get stuck on we have to have a thousand dollars a month in some giving fund in order for us to be able to be generous as a family. Start to start, make the decision to live that way, and you'll find, you'll have what you need when the time comes. But don't get stuck on the the money side only, because there are six other wonderful ways that we can uh, give daily, weekly, and monthly. So true. Well, Brad, Drew, thank you so much for being willing to take some time out of your busy speaking schedule and writing schedule to come share with our listeners today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I've, I'm sure to speak for Dina and I both that we're we're equally inspired by listening to you today. Absolutely. So thank you. It's been a pleasure to have you. Yes. And if your listeners are interested, it's on Amazon and everydaygenerosity.com. So <laughs> if, you, if that, I got to do it, right? <laughs> Small business owner. Oh, absolutely. Oh, in fact, yes. this this is the last part. So give us your give us your websites, give us your handles. How can people find you? How, How can do they people, buy the yeah, book? Like tell us everything. Yeah, so at Amazon.com, just type in everyday generosity. And then we also have a website, everydaygenerosity.com that We'll give you more information on how you can buy uh, one for one for your whole family, your whole life group, your whole um, whoever in your life that you would love this. And this could be a perfect way to involve your family, your whole family in this generous life. And then my dad here. And then I'd also say that a great resource for families is ilikegiving.com. We have 18 short giving stories on film. They've been viewed over 100 million times around the globe. Super well done. Generosity from all different perspectives. Great to watch with your family. Three, four, five minutes long. Watch one of those and discuss it. 
you will be blown away by how you hear different perspectives from different ages and people in your family. So that's also at ilikegiving.com. Great. Thank you for all of those resources. So our listeners now know how to find you and get connected up with some more great giving stories. We really appreciate that. Thank you for having us on today. Thank you. And I look forward to hopefully hearing you guys speak sometime and definitely let us know when the next book comes out, please. Well, absolutely. Well, you know, our biggest way that we get connected is people hear us talk or we do a podcast and then they say, hey, you should be at this conference. You should be here. You should be there. So let us know. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. Yes. Bye-bye. Well, Kira, what do you think? Oh, I love them. I love them. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little apprehensive about having, you know, like a purely faith-based product that we were going to be talking about and, you know, people that kind of really just come from that angle because you and I are so nicely balanced. But I just loved everything they had to say. I thought they just were so inspiring. And I and I felt like there are some things we do in our home already. Like I love to go through like Starbucks drive through and pay for the person behind me. And my kids love that. But it just got my brain thinking about all these different little ways that I can involve the kids. I loved what um, Brad said about, you know, just kind of looking for opportunities together as a family, allowing them to instead of like, I'm going to give this way, mm-hmm. waiting for the opportunity to present itself and maybe having your kids say, hey, this is one way we can use our generosity money. Let's do it that way. I just love that. Yes. And the multiple ways are so great too for people i love that you talked about this budget idea but how perfect that it doesn't have to be about money it can be being generous in other ways and with our time and attention and i that's just great and they have such a great dynamic too i mean they're their energy is great together so that was just super fun and i hope those of you who are out there and working at this thing called intentional future-focused parenting, get to see some of the results there. I mean, did you hear Drew? That is a young man there. That's not a kid. And I think that's a testimony in itself of what this can produce when you're really parenting with the long game in mind. And I do have a quote today. Love this one. It's good old Winston Churchill and so applicable to what we just talked about. And this quote says, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Well, thank you for being with us today. As always, if you are interested in getting in touch with us, you can email info at futurefocusedparenting.com. That website has all of our stuff on it, including the attribute of the month if you want to sign up. If you haven't followed us on Facebook or Instagram, our handles are at Raising Adults Podcast. And don't forget to rate and review the show because as I say every single week, it really does help us have a successful podcast. Want to give a quick shout out today to Eric Johnson who produced this episode. He is my hero. So thank you, Eric, for being with us today. And we will be back next week. Raising Adults is produced by Kira Dorian, Dina Thayer, and today, the lovely Eric Johnson, and recorded kind of in my laundry room. (laughs) For more information, go to futurefocusedparenting.com. Thanks for listening.